Well, my brothers and sisters, I always like to start my Easter homilies with the famous Easter greeting, and it goes like this. I say, he is risen, and you have to say, he is risen indeed. Okay? And I want to hear some excitement and some joy. Doggone it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Well, that's really good news. Jesus risen from the dead is good news. However, I can't think of a more stark contrast to this good news than the news that you watch through the internet or on TV or what have you. In fact, I've got, this is what I I affectionately call my bad news machine. And I'm very attached to this thing, I guess, like every modern person. I carry it around with me all day. And in fact, my current assignment right now as a priest is as a chaplain uh, for the hospitals and the nursing homes in Rochester. And so I'm on call 24-7. So this is this never leaves me. It's my bad news machine. So I've got a few news apps, and they bling a message, and I go, oh, Looming recession. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Put it in my pocket and I go on with my day. Bing, another bit. Oh, another pandemic. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. I go on with my day. Bing. Oh, war in, war in Ukraine and Russia. Oh, that's very nice. Okay. And in all seriousness, it is, it is horrible, the suffering that's going on, especially, uh, many innocent people in Ukraine, uh, who are dying, men and women fleeing and Emigrates to uh, Poland and uh, all these different things. It's like the whole world, of course. And, and you know, all we got to do is look at the gas prices, right? So it's lots of lots of bad news. You know, I don't really think they should call it news, though. They should call it the olds. Because when has there been a time in human history when there haven't been? Plagues and famines and wars and catastrophes and whatnot. It's the same old, same old. It's not news, it's old. It's a bunch of the olds, and there isn't anything new. My brothers and sisters, it is our faith as Christians that all the bad things in the world are not going to go on forever. The thought of that, I don't know about you, but the thought of that for me is like a burden lifted from the back. They're not going to go on forever. We, my brothers and sisters, wait for a new world. Human evil and wickedness and stupidity has a limit. It doesn't go on forever. Jesus is going to come back again. And there is going to be a new world created. A new heaven and a new earth, as the scripture says, in which dwell not human wickedness, but in which dwell righteousness, St. Peter tells us. And what we celebrate today 
is nothing less than, in human history, the true anticipation of that new world. I know and have faith in the light of the world to come because of what God did through Jesus by raising him from the dead. That is something that's truly new. My brothers and sisters, never in the history of humanity has someone been raised from the dead in the way that Jesus is has been raised and is risen. You see, if you can look at the Old Testament, you can see certain miracles took place. Like, you know, there's a there's an account of Elijah who, uh, in connection, I'm sorry, I speak to Elisha, but in connection with Elisha, they work some miracles. Some people, they raise people from the dead. It's pretty amazing. It's an incredible miracle. But that's really a resuscitation. Those select few lucky individuals who actually got raised from the dead throughout the course of the history of miracles, they died again. The life that was restored to them was an earthly life that was corruptible and bound to perish and come to an end. The life with which Jesus rose from the dead is an incorruptible life that is indestructible and that has no end. It is life in the fullest and the most definitive sense. And he is possessor of that life for eternity and a true foretaste of our resurrection from the dead and the life of the world to come wherein there is truly a new world in which dwell righteousness. He is the first, but he's actually not the only, the second person who lives with that kind of indestructible life. And that's her blessed mother. But that took place, you know, after Jesus's, in her assumption, that took place after Jesus' resurrection. So he is first. He is truly something new in human history. And we see this in our second reading today, which is a very kind of a favorite, it's becoming a favorite reading of mine over the years I've preached on Easter. St. Paul says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens all the dough? Now, in our translation, there's the word yeast, but it's actually really kind of more proper to say leaven. Okay, a little leaven leavens the, all the dough. Clear out the old, so we can see this contrast between old and new, which St. Paul's telling us. Clear out the old leaven, so that you may become a new lump, a new batch of dough, inasmuch as you are unleavened. For our Paschal Lamb, Christ, has been sacrificed. What's Paul talking about? Well, he's referencing this Old Testament feast of the Passover that we celebrate today, but we do it in a fulfilled manner, in a Christian manner. Okay? And in the Old Testament ceremonies surrounding this feast day, they had a lamb, and they sacrificed this lamb, and they partook of it in a celebratory feast. And then from that point on, for seven days, they ate unleavened bread. What's this unleavened bread thing that's what we're going to talk about? It's a pretty cool thing. So what they would do 
Okay, some of you guys might know a little bit about this if you bake bread, although our modern techniques are a little different than the old-fashioned techniques. They would do this. They get a lump of dough, okay, they're kneading it, you know, they got the water and the flour and all this kind of stuff, and they knead it and they got this lump. And what they would do is they would take some of the dough that was left over from the previous batch of dough, and it had that sitting around, and they didn't know the science behind it like we do today, but there was yeast that would kind of float down on top of it, and then it would, it would go through a fermentation process, which is really a process of corruption, actually. And in fact, there was a little bit of danger connected to this, because the piece of dough sitting around, you know, been in a refrigerator, so sitting around for a while, and they would put it into the next batch, and they would knead it, and so the, the olds would go into the new and spread it, and then it would rise. And that's how they get the, you know, the, the, the bread that's got that kind of bubbles and the airy feel to it. The airy texture. If you kept doing that, though, so you, they would take a little piece from that one, and they'd save it for next week, and they would do it next week, and they would do it next week. It keeps on going. There's a chance that there's some kind of an infection, some kind of something nasty that gets in there. So they have to start fresh at some point. And that's what the Feast of the Unleavened Bread of the Passover is all about. That whole process of the old bad stuff ruining or infecting or corrupting the new. And then that process would repeat itself over and over again. A little bit of bad going back into the new. A little bit of the bad and that going back into the new. That was finally broken with the Feast of Unleavened Bread because they said, no, we're not going to leaven this bread. Stop, starting from here on out, we start fresh. Okay? And there's no, nothing from the old. It was a clean break. This is a type of human history, my brothers and sisters. We stupid and evil human beings repeat our stupidities and our evil over and over and over again. It's like a replay. We're not very creative. Just because sin is like that. It's just that, you know, every new century has got some kind of corruption from the old, and it's like this unbreakable chain that stretches across the centuries, and it produces my bad news machine. And you know, if we're to be honest with ourselves, if I'm to be honest with myself, sometimes the frustration and discouragement that I feel about the bad things that are going on in the world are really an excuse for me to kind of ignore the bad stuff that's going on in me. And so my life can be like that. Bad habits that we have, we seem to be able to do these things over and over again, over and you know, I get someone offended me or hurt my feelings in the past, and I have like this broken record that goes on in my mind. Oh, this person did this thing to me. Da, 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 da. Keeps going. I say to myself, I have to take my brain out of my head sometimes to say, could you say something new? <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. You know what I'm talking about. My brothers and sisters, clear out the holes so that you may become new. Inasmuch as you are already new because of Christ, our sacrifice. You see, the good news, my brothers and sisters, 
is that while we do have to go through a personal conversion and cast out the old so that we can embrace the new, there's a task that's been given to us. Okay? But the good news is that Jesus has done that. That's the good news. He has interrupted that unbreakable chain of cause and effect of stimulus and response. You know, your spouse says something, and then you say something back, and you think, aren't we just doing this over and over again? That kind of chain, Jesus is the one who breaks that unbreakable chain. He and his powerful resurrection intervenes in history and takes the old and says, stop, we're beginning again from here on out. That's what Jesus' resurrection means for us. So while we do have to go through a conversion and a certain Passover, passing over from old ways to new, we can have confidence and faith and hope because Jesus has passed from the oldness of sin and death and darkness to the newness of righteousness and light and life, eternal, undestructible, unbreakable life. This, my brothers and sisters, is the good news. Jesus is not just, you know, I feel bad for some people in history who believe in Jesus, but they kind of had a, they, they kind of had a, what we call a theistic, humanistic uh, uh, understanding of him. And they saw him as just a good example. Jesus is an example. Okay? I'm sorry. If Jesus is the example that we've got to live up to, we're all dead. We're all lost. He is not just an example. He is a cause of our transformation. He is a powerful cause of our renewal. Our being born again. So that we can, in fact, live new lives here. And the promise of that new world to come can be realized in our individual lives. My brothers and sisters, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed.